These are the daily lectionary comments for December the 13th. We're going to look at Isaiah chapter 29, beginning at verse 15. Isaiah, for the first time, begins to talk about the deaf hearing, the blind seeing, uh, the meek being refreshed, the poor exulting. He warns the people not to trust in Egypt because the Lord is his Savior, uh, not Egypt. Uh, and, and then Revelation, the book of Revelation, chapter 1, we'll take a look at what this book is about and how it should be read. Isaiah 29, beginning at verse 15. Now, I want to be a little bit briefer on Isaiah here, partly because what we are reading here is very similar to what we've already been reading, and because I want to leave more time for an introduction to uh, the book of Revelation. Uh, so I'm going to be a little bit briefer here. First off, I want you to note that in, in verse 15 and 16, essentially what the Lord is saying here is, uh, don't think that you can hide anything from God. Don't think you can pull the wool over the eyes of the one who made you. The one who is made cannot hide things from the one who makes him. Okay, so that's kind of silly uh, and it's pretty obvious. Then in, chapter, in verses 18 and 19, Isaiah, for the first time, begins talking about the, the age of the Messiah using these uh, wonderful expressions uh, that, that the deaf shall hear, that uh, the blind shall see, that the meek shall be refreshed, that the poor shall exult. Meanwhile, the rebellious shall come to nothing, scoffers shall cease, those who look for evil shall be cut off. Um, that's the way it's going to be when God's plan is finally fulfilled. Uh, for for Israel and for mankind, those ideas of the deaf hearing, the blind seeing, uh, are going to come up again in chapter 32 and in chapter 35. Jesus uh, cites them, and these are behind uh, many of the miracles that Jesus does, because he does give sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf, and he does make the lame to walk, and he does preach good news to the poor. And that is because Isaiah said that the Messianic age would be like that. Now, also, in the backdrop, we have uh, the coming Assyrian invasion. Before we get to this Messianic age, um, uh, the, uh, uh, the people of God are going to receive a thumping. And uh, yes, there are many who are not believing this, and they are scoffing, and they don't believe that the Lord is going to do this at all. And they are counseling a particular plan. They want to ally with Egypt. Egypt, if with them as a powerful ally, can help us fight off and protect us from the coming Assyrian invasion. And um, Isaiah is, is not uh, uh, uncomfortable with getting involved in geopolitics here. And he warns the leaders, and particularly the king, uh, uh, in Jerusalem, don't do it. Do not look to Egypt. Uh, uh, verse uh, uh, chapter 30, verse uh, 7 says, Egypt's help is worthless and empty, so don't bother. And then finally, uh, chapter 30, verses 8 through 14, just basically describes the people, these rebellious people uh, who, uh, who are unwilling to hear. It's, it's not that they just don't quite get it. They're trying, but they don't quite get it. The problem is they do not wish to hear what the Lord has to say. They are children, verse 9 says, unwilling to hear the instruction of the Lord. What they say is, speak to us smooth things, prophesy illusions. In other words, tell us lies that sound good. Don't tell us the truth anymore. And what the Lord says basically is you're going to be smashed. 
You're going to be smashed ruthlessly, verse 14, smashed so completely that there won't be a piece of you. If you were, if you were a pot that a potter was making, there wouldn't be a shard big enough for you to, to uh, pull some, some uh, coals out of the fire or, uh, or, or water uh, out of a cistern. You will be smashed. Oh, so much for Isaiah. Now we'll turn to the book of Revelation. Okay. The book of Revelation, starting at uh, chapter 1. In our devotions, we're going to be reading through the first 12 chapters of Revelation. We've already gone through some of the later chapters earlier in, in the year. But so in the coming weeks, we're going to be looking at the first 12 chapters of Revelation. I have a number of things to say before I look at the, this first uh, um, passage in more detail. First, the name of the book. The name of the book is Revelation. Or if you want to get fancy, the Revelation of St. John. The name of the book is not Revelations. There's no S. Okay. So show yourself to be a learned, knowledgeable Bible scholar. And the next time you talk about the book of Revelation, don't put an S on the end. It's Revelation. Second, this book concerns things that are coming in the end times. So in the first place, by end times, it does not mean the days and moments just before Jesus' second coming. It includes those, but it is not limited to those. The end times, from the point of view of the New Testament, begins with Jesus' ascension into heaven and ends with Jesus' glorious return. So in other words, the entire time of the church, the entire time of the church's ministry is the end times. It's the final thing that God is doing in this world. Everything before that, dealing with Israel, um, was preparatory uh, to lay the foundation for the kingdom of God, which will be spreading the gospel in the end times until Jesus comes again. So the book of Revelation is about the character of those end times, the kinds of things that we can expect to happen in them. Now, the, the, the way that Revelation presents these truths about the nature of the end times is through a series of of images or word pictures. They are stunning. They are arresting images. They get your attention. Some of them are terrifying. Some of them are mysterious, but you get one image after the next, after the next, after the next. It's almost like watching a music video or something like that. It is highly poetic and visually poetic and stunning, right? So also you're gonna get a series of images all of which are dealing more or less with the entire end times. So I don't want you to think that in the book of Revelation, you are primarily dealing with the last few days or the last few years of planet Earth, nor do I want you to imagine that as you move along in the book, the further deeper into the book you get, the more you are concentrating on the end times, that is the last few years of planet Earth. There is a certain sense in which that happens, the, as you get later on, the emphasis skews more toward just before Jesus returns. But all of the visions and all of the images are really relating to the entire end times. So what you have is a, multi, a multitude of presentations that overlap. They overlap in time. They overlap in what they're talking about. But they are different images talking about exactly the same things. So, for example, 
we're going to have an image of Jesus walking among lampstands. We're going to have an image of the one seated on the throne with the lamb at his right. Uh, we're going to have uh, an image of seals being broken and things, strange things happen after each seal is being broken. We're going to have an image of trumpets being blown and things happening after each trumpet is blown. Each of these is a different and new presentation of the same period of time, the period of time beginning with Jesus' ascension into heaven and ending with his coming again. Likewise, we're going to have a, a, a vision of two witnesses. Well, those two witnesses are going to go about their ministry in the entire end times. Then we're going to have a vision of the woman and the dragon, and the woman and the dragon concerns the entire end times. So I don't, uh, th these are all overlapping. The trumpets are saying one thing about the end times. The seals are saying another thing about the end times. The woman and the dragon are saying another thing. Jesus walking among the lampstands is saying something else, but they're all talking about the same times and they are overlapping. Okay, so that's another thing to uh, to uh, uh, bear in mind. Also, um, let's talk again about the interpretation of Revelation and the word Revelation. What does Revelation mean? Revelation means a revealing. Sometimes you'll hear that it's called the apocalypse. Well, apocalypse is just Greek for uncovering or revealing. Revelation is Latin. It's a Latin-based word, but they mean the same thing. So apocalypse does not mean catastrophic, terrible things. It means a revealing. So understand that this book is meant to reveal. Who is it meant to reveal? Uh, to whom is it meant? Well, it is written to certain late first century Christians, first of all. So whatever is in this book needs to be understood from the point of view of a late first century Christian and what they would have made of this. Those efforts at interpretation that require that a person live in the 20th or 21st century to be able to understand what Revelation was really talking about is completely violating the whole notion that this is a book written to the whole church and the church throughout time. So if parts of this Revelation are meaningless, inscrutable, and impossible to understand until you get to the 21st century, that kind of an interpretation should be rejected. The first century Christians who first got this book this letter, it's a letter. It's not really a book. It's a letter if you look at it. Um, what did they make of it? Because it was supposed to be a revelation to them about the nature of the end times. Now, it's the same revelation to them, which is also to us. So we need to interpret this, this letter that John has written to the church, the whole church, the church throughout the end times. We need to interpret it in a way that could have been understood and that would have been understood by Christians in all of those ages, okay? This is not a puzzle that we're trying to piece together, and, and, but we got to wait until we get to the right age so that we have the right technology and the right understanding, and then the puzzle comes together, you know? Um, uh, it, it, that's just not the, that's not a revelation. That's a puzzle. That is a riddle, and this is not a riddle given to the church to finally figure it out just before Jesus comes again but a revelation to comfort his people in the entire end times. Finally, this first vision, the very first, vi actually the very first vision is behold, he is coming with the clouds. I mean, if you see that, it's just one verse, 
behold, he is coming with the clouds and every, and every nation shall see him. Um, that's kind of the first vision. But the first more extended vision is this Jesus, this uh, one like the son of man, walking among the lampstands and holding in his hands stars, seven stars, and, and out of his mouth is a two-edged sword. Okay, now this is a word picture. So I don't want you to think that John is looking at a being that actually has a metal blade sticking out of his mouth. That would be disgusting and scary. And who could talk with a blade sticking out of their mouth? And that's not what he means. The two-edged sword is the word of God. And this is the son of man who speaks the word of God. And that word of God cuts and slashes and slices uh, even, even to the very core uh, of, of a human soul. So the word of God is often uh, spoken of as a sword or a two-edged sword. So that's all that means there. He's holding in his hand seven stars. And it says there the seven stars are the seven angels uh, of, of the seven churches. The, the letter is written to seven churches in Asia Minor, which was Western Turkey. These are representative churches of the whole Christian church, okay? This letter was not written to them and them alone. It's written to all the church. That's why you have seven churches. And we're just using this seven as a representative group of the entire church. The uh, lampstands represent each of the seven churches. Jesus walks among his churches. And it's a very tranquil scene, as you'll note because the lamps are burning quietly uh, and Jesus is walking among them, taking care of his churches. Now that is in great contrast to what we're going to see later on in Revelation. We're gonna see a lot of spiritual warfare going on, but behind it all, you do have Jesus quietly um, uh, taking care of his lampstands. In his hands are seven stars, which are the seven angels of the churches. Some have said the angels are messengers or pastors of the churches but they could just be uh, uh, angels that, that the Lord uses in order to, to take care of the, the uh, individual congregations. The message here is that the Son of Man uh, is carefully watching over his congregations and carefully taking care of them and has great power. And it is from his mouth that, these, uh, that the word of God flows and, and that these churches were created and are protected. So, this initial image is of Jesus quietly walking among his churches, taking care of them, protecting them, watching over them, because Jesus himself said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against them. All right, I've gone way too long, but for a first uh, 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 devotional comments on Revelation, how could it be avoided?